Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Boom Goddess Podcast Project with your hosts, myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, Jennifer Davis-Page, and Bibi Peters. This podcast aims to ignite inspiration in primetime women by creating a super learning community, a safe space for all women to contribute their voices and visions. For more information on this episode and to learn more, visit us at boomgoddessradio.com. Welcome, everyone. We're so happy to be here hi, to talk Bibi. about. Hi, Dr. Andrea and Jennifer Davis Page. Oh, hi, Deb. Bibi, how are you doing today? It's fantastic to be here. A little warm and toasty outside, but we're right here inside in the coolness. I think um, thank technology for air conditioning living here in Arizona. It's a must, isn't it? It's a must. Yeah. So what have you two been up to? Well, I have just been um, busy trying to, you know, if if our listeners remember last week, I'm my 92-year-old mother, and she's getting more and more active. So we've been uh, doing movies and watching the Democratic Convention. The, po- the uh, politics and the political scene and the convention, right, and the conventions certainly are uh, taking up a lot of people's time and, and energy and mind and minds right? you know as a psychologist i'm watching not so much the content but the process of how emotions get stirred up and what the cascading effect of that stir is and almost like the infection and the contagion of emotionality and how that affects almost everything that's going on. And I was struck by there was no attention to an attack in Afghanistan last week. The United States was so busy looking at its own convention um, record, but over and over again to the point that it's obsessive and it's ruminative, leaving no room for other news. So just my general comment well you're absolutely right because now the murders around the world and there have been many of them during this political season in the united states have now been reduced to a crawl at the bottom of the screen so that's unfortunate um but that's politics in america right and we're getting desensitized to okay what are we going to wake up to next so on that score i think it's easy to get um distracted by a lot of the hype and also easy to lose track of some of the deeper issues. By the same token, everybody is always interested in their own life. And I think that our episode is almost like a breath of fresh air where it's a little different. It's <clears throat> It uh, takes us away from the everyday occurrences. And I'm delighted to talk about a new topic this afternoon, and that is uh, a topic about separate bedrooms and living apart uh, together, and how perhaps that is either trending more because of women uh, being more open to talk about it, or perhaps because that has always been the case, and we're just more cognizant of it now. Right, and and the uh, getting to be a certain age where people begin to become more themselves and more insistent on uh, taking care of themselves. So, 
let's get into it. And welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. We're here with Dr. Andrea Gould and Jennifer Davis-Page. And we're doing an episode on alternate living arrangements because this is a time in history when primetime women can truly ex- can truly exercise and experience their freedom to choose. And it's interesting because it touches on sexuality and more personal issues which foster identification and community building and which people always find juicy. Absolutely. Living apart together is, uh, I thought, was a really interesting topic. About three years ago, I one Sunday, my husband and I in Chicago, we were reading the New York Times, and there was an article here about New York couples that were exercising this LAT is what they called it. And I said, what is LAT? And it's living apart together. And it was very interesting. And at the time, uh, we were thinking about living apart together. But the New York Times article made it seem okay. Jennifer, you are a kick. Um, the other day you uh, texted us and you said LAT in the text and um, Andrea and I are saying, what the heck is LAT? <laughs> well, that's what LAT is according to the New York Times. I love it. I love it. And and so we're talking about both living apart together and also the idea of having separate bedrooms and sleeping apart. And does that mean that just because a couple is sleeping in different bedrooms, that that's the death knell of relationship? I don't think so. I think it, it's probably... Uh, it works out very well for those that choose to do that. I mean, some people just have different sleeping habits. So why are you going to kick your partner in the middle of the night if you don't have to? And I love thinking that us boomer women are the option generation. We love our options. Absolutely. So we have our options of sleeping together, sleeping in same beds, sleeping in different beds in the same room, sleeping in separate bedrooms. Whatever really works, I think, maybe whether whatever works and what we eat and what movies we see and what we wear and where we shop those options it just the life itself is opening up isn't it and i also think that there's um a suspension of judgment and that as we get older we are less we find it less necessary to judge others hopefully less necessary to constantly be judging ourselves and um, some of the uh, you know some of the old judgments though they still stick around I think right now we were the liberated women generation and I think we exercise that liberty as boomers we have said uh, when we started this uh, show, Boom Goddess Radio, we had said to young women that we were lighting the way for them. So now, ladies, you, you young ladies, it is okay. You don't have to be in bed with them every night. <laughs> That's really cute. And I also think that, you know, some of the... Um, you know, back in the day, it may have been that one person worked and the other stayed home and took care of the uh, domicile, so to speak. But I think that as economics changed and both um, both people in a couple were working, other arrangements needed to be formulated. And some of that meant different schedules. 
Some people have to get up at 5 a.m. Or, or earlier. Some people need to wind down and it takes a longer amount of time. So there's also those individual differences, the economic differences, and differences and generational ideas. Well, I think it's more civilized. I think 60 years ago or 70 years ago when we were looking at our grandparents, that was something they just didn't do. I guess it wasn't anything that was even accepted. And I think they felt that if they left the bedroom, they would be leaving the marriage, which is certainly no longer the case. Maybe that happened by the 1940s and 50s post-war. But prior to that, as the immigrants were beginning to populate our country, uh, there wasn't a lot of money. There were smaller apartments. There was less heat. And nobody had extra bedrooms and bathrooms. Nobody had extra anything, right? right? I mean, as a matter of fact, everybody slept in one room (laughs) for the most part, right? And families uh, are actually right changing in how they're formed and structured. Um, It was uh, interesting that you said, uh, Jennifer, that younger women were paving the way for them. Um, We uh, had uh, a word with a younger gal who's in her 40s. Her name is Yovana, and she mentions uh, that about her partner, he knows there is no future marriage possibility, but I love him. Living separately gives me the space I need to be who I am as an individual and allows for the fire between us to stay strong. A couple nights is a good enough dose for me to be okay for two weeks. Isn't that what you just said? Absolutely, I think that's a very mature way of thinking. This couple could stay together for 50 years living like this. Because but it's I, honest. It's honest. And, and you know, it's, it's like a, it's, it's, a contract is good if everybody's happy with it. So if, if, if he's happy and you're happy, then, uh, then you can make it work. If the other person decides this is not how he or she wants to live their life, then there, that's room for another conversation because it won't work otherwise. We're back and uh, we're here with B.B. Peters, Jennifer Davis Page, and myself, Dr. Andrea Gould, and we're talking to a woman who has a very interesting relationship with her husband, apropos of the separation idea and how it actually works. B.B. asked her a couple of questions. So, Sky Goddess, uh, do tell us, give us kind of a background, uh, the, set the stage for where you are relative to you, the relationship and what you and your husband are um, doing. Sure. So, we have been together since 1972, and I don't know how many years that is, but I think wow. it's over 40. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 44. <laughs> 44. And I would say for the first 25, uh, we were together almost inseparably. We worked together. We spent time together. We spent a lot of time with our children. And um, and then after that, after the kids went away to college and moved on with their lives, um, we realized that 
all that togetherness had kind of, I don't know, kind of stifled us in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started taking some trips on my own, vacations on my own. And um, and when I was out on my own, I found I became a different woman, much more brave, much more outgoing, much more adventuresome, and um, and a new a new appreciation for sex. And I did those trips, and as my husband started doing more things that he enjoyed, it turned out that for me personally, I found it, well, first of all, we we had the same bed. And then when I started doing my trips, I felt like since there was nothing going on in our marriage um, intimately and sexually, I moved out of the bedroom to another room in the house. And that worked really fine for quite some time. But I also had a bit of difficulty with my re-entry into whatever I was doing, coming back into that same space with him and not feeling like I could be totally my independent, sensual, adventuresome self. Are you you saying that there began to grow a gap between the you that you were experiencing yourself to be out in the world and the you that had a habitual behavior pattern with your husband. That's Yes, that's exactly it, Andrea, exactly, yes. And I found it hard to do that. So over the course of many years, um, we both decided that we would live in separate residences. And so we did. But there's still this abiding, I, I appreciate him, I I love him. I we have children together. I still like to travel with him. We still go out to dinner. We we still talk a lot. But I'm doing it more from a place of who I am as this woman in the third stage of life, um living life on my terms um with space still available for what we had created and are still co-creating actually as we're going along. So there are so many things that the sky goddess um, addressed because she first began, you know, kind of talking about traveling on her own, right? Which I know we're going to do a whole um, episode on that and the courage that that takes. But more um, specifically, the actual genesis of how the marriage evolved. That's always so interesting to me. What are the first steps that happened to take us to this new place? And also, what do we do as we continue to adapt to the new place? I love that you use the word co-create. We continue to co-create. I think that's so real. It's so much the way life is. One thing and another happens and changes with each partner, sometimes in sync, very often not in sync. And each one of us in the partnership has to redirect our energy and adapt. I think that in this third act of our lives, it is important that if you have a husband or mate that you really like and you don't want to be without him or her, um, so divorce is off the table because divorce is not something that you want to do, but you want to make a change in your relationship. So I think that the sky goddess and her husband are 
are really smart to do it this way. They're sharing a family and they don't want that word, the D word to come into their world. And I think this is a very smart way of doing it. And how powerful to still be able to go out to dinner. It's sort of like they're dating without the sexual component and they're still married and they're grandparenting their grandchildren and they're enjoying life's pleasures but not all of life's pleasures. Well, I think that really the only pleasure that's eliminated from this is the sexual aspect of relationship. And I think this is the kind of thing that also happens when um, people choose to have separate bedrooms. They're not necessarily sleeping together, meaning that they're having a sexual relationship. They can have a sexual relationship without sleeping together, without being in the same bedroom, or we can have a friendship and a full partnership without any sex at all. But that's another that's a topic that has to be discussed. It'll be interesting to find out whether the sky goddess is having a sexual relation with another man. I mean, she seems to be a sexy goddess, so it seems like not having sex at all is not something that is uh, on the table for her. Right. Well, let's ask her that question. Yes, and I and I will say we we had bumps along the way because when I when our emotional that intimate sexual relationship between us um, kind of evaporated for various reasons, um, and I went out and rediscovered sex on my own, I had a very difficult time. I may have said this earlier, a very difficult time coming back to the space, but also articulating why it was I wanted to be in that second bedroom about, you know, that I was still, a very, I felt I was still a very vibrant and sexual person. And if that wasn't going to be part of our relationship going forward, I really needed to be able to express that honestly and, you know, not tell the details of what I was doing or where I've been, but just that he knew that that's what I was about. That's who I was now. And so would the, how would that affect our relationship? So we did have a, a lot of, um, well, I had a lot of discussions. He listened. And, you know, I, I talked about how hurtful that piece was for me that I, I, I needed to go elsewhere rather than within our relationship. So I, I really did feel about that because I was mad for that man. You know, I just, when he would leave town, I would sleep with his undershirt. You know, <laughs> I just was. So when that evaporated, it was a real, it was a real blow to me. So we often talk about, you know, the pod boiling over and the steaming and the evaporation. What's up with that evaporation? How does that begin? What does that mean? Well, there's a lot, lot of, lots of, of, of moving parts to this evaporation thing, you know. Um, I, I loved what she said about how mad she was for him. And the thing that's always, always been in my head is how can we be so mad for them at one point and then want to go to a separate bedroom in the next point? I mean, what happens uh, in every couple? Whatever happens is different. I understand that. Um, but how can you love somebody so deeply and then all of a sudden you're no longer in love with them? And I think at some point that's a show we need to do. When do you know that you're no longer in love with with that person. Well, I think we have a couple of different kinds of issues here. Love being one, in love being another. 
limerence or that uncontrollable sense of sexual passion and attraction, um, married sexuality, there's so many different um, variables that go into that. I mean, one of the things that certainly in in my business of being a psychologist, being a therapist, there's um, often the uh, everyday, the power of the ordinary kind of erodes some of the excitement. And yet, people want that comfort factor and they want the power of the ordinary and we tend to resist change. Some people would prefer novelty. There are individual differences about that. And then there's the slight and steady buildup of resentment over time for one reason or another, a growing incompatibility. I mean, we all continue to grow. That doesn't necessarily mean that we grow together or that our growth patterns are similar, or the things that turn us on as we go through different decades. And I don't just mean sexually, but the things that bring vitality to our life can take us further away from the person we initially were either in limerence with or in lust or love with. Um, And yet we can still love that person, and we can still even want to share lots of life with that person, just not everything. And it seems that uh, you build a history with a person, right? And a part of you is with him or her, and you don't want to let that go because you still treasure and value that. So one way of keeping that still in your life and sharing those memories is actually doing what Sky Goddess is about, what her lifestyle is like. And not even only memories, but real life development, like having children, having children get older and be married themselves, creating grandchildren, and how they have chosen to continue to live even as they each develop. Well, you know, as as you grow older, I mean, I, I'm, I am in a marriage right now, and I've loved this man for a very long time and and we've been married we've been together for 15 years now. And but before I met him, I was divorced for 30 years, living on my own. Of course I was dating, but living on my own, never living with anyone, and that became very comfortable to me. I mean, I could do anything that I wanted to without asking for the approval of anyone. So now you walk down the aisle and that whole concept changes because why does it change? It changes because society tells us that now you're a married person and you're sharing a home with someone and you have to be considerate. For 30 years, I didn't have to be considerate of not one thing. Or person. Or person. (laughs) So I had to learn to I had to learn to be considerate. I mean, I could really stand over the sink and eat a bowl of Cheerios, and that would be dinner. Now, dinner has become an event. And in many many families, it is a blessed event. As well it should be, all right? But I had to just kind of change my thinking altogether. And we're living apart together as a result of that. Um, I, I... in an article that I read, as, as I've referred to before, this New York Times article, the people that were discussing living apart together, 
lived within the, the um, LATs. The LATs. <laughs> the LATs were in within blocks of each other. They lived within 15 minutes of each other. So if there was a booty call to be had, they did that. If they wanted to have dinner or go to a movie, they did that. And then everybody went to their separate homes. And I think that is just a wonderful way to live. Um, and, and they still love each other. They're still monogamous. And I think it's great. Now, I've taken it a step further because I am not 20 minutes from my husband. I'm 1,800 miles from him. And that has its own challenges. Well, there's another word for that, LDR, long-distance relationships. Which, and that's a whole nother topic. And that's a whole nother topic. There, and there are many, many days that I wish that I could call him and say, let's meet and have dinner or let's go to a movie. I, I miss that. Um, and then he comes and he stays for six, seven, eight months at a time. And then he goes back to you know, our home in Chicago. So so you have a hybrid, a cross between an LAT and, and an LDR. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure that's working for us. We're still trying to figure that out. But let me tell you, there are times when I take him to, um, to the station for his departure that I'm really kissing him goodbye and really happy to wave him goodbye. And then when he comes back after that, that time really um, brings us together. Because when I pick him up, I'm running into his arms and happy to see, happy him. To see him. So I don't know. This is just, but we don't want the divorce. And we like each other. And we, as Bibi was saying, there's, there's a, 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 a togetherness. And I, I don't know if it's because people get lazy and they don't, they don't want to relearn another person. You don't want to know how another person takes their coffee because you know how, how this one does. Um, and I think that's where I am right now. I mean, we're, we're comfortable doing this. So Sky Goddess, how did you move from being comfortable to being less comfortable with your spouse? Honestly, it was mostly around the sexual piece. And that intimacy and connection that comes to a sexual relationship. So we were, we were beginning to operate more as like a friendly brother and sister in a way. He had, he had kind of lost desire or interest there. He had some, very, he had some setbacks in his life that, um, caused some real emotional distress. And, uh, he, he didn't quite recover. I I didn't do I I didn't do any of this other stuff for years, hoping that he would come back to what we had, but um, he 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 wasn't able. So what we're really talking about here is what it takes to bring us alive. And Sky Goddess was talking about the fact that her husband had sort of lost his source of inspiration. She said he had a lot of ups and downs. And we didn't really ask her at that moment what those ups and downs were. But again, when somebody is not being nourished by their life, they're going to become less potent and less vital, even just in their day-to-day -day life. So I've been thinking, like, what does it take for us to stay enthusiastic and to stay with a sense of vitality and um, vivacity? 
And do you have to come to sort of a peak, a downfall to where you say, okay, this is not working for me. I need to make a change. I'm either depressed or I'm anxious. Or symptomatic in another way. I'm getting sick. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's a whole conversation about what signals we look for in ourselves. Yeah when we're disenchanted disenchanted and and de-energized. But the same can be true if we're in a partnership with somebody, we're in a marriage with somebody, and they seem to be losing energy, as Sky Goddess was was saying. And of course, it's a marriage, so as he loses energy, she was dropping below her acceptable level. Exactly. And something kicked in for her, as a creative person, she said to herself, how can we do this differently? Well, the other day, uh, you and I were talking, Doctor, and we were talking about uh, respecting partners and what that takes. And if you like that person, let's go with the word like right now, if you like that person, you do love them. But if you like that person and you see that as a result of the relationship, they seem to be... uh, fizzling out and that's not the person that you fell in love with and you don't want that to happen so if you as a wife or a husband can do something to energize or even if it's making a change in yourself you suggested that people put down 10 things that that make them feel make loved. them feel loved and I thought that was just wonderful and I think that did you do it no I didn't do it yet but I'm going to do it Oh, let's all do it. I love that idea. Yeah. Let's have our listeners do it as well and I send in some comments. Okay, that would be great. A- let's post it on Facebook and ask each person to say 10 things. I mean, some of it could be really revealing, or they can say the, the top five things the top five. that make them feel loved. I always remember in, a, um, in my second marriage, I did that with my second husband, and he said... I feel loved when you're not on the phone when I walk in the house. And I thought, okay, I understand that. And in my subsequent research with scores of couples, I ask them each, because the complaints in marriage are very often, bottom line, I don't feel loved. It may be she's not making me dinner, and that might be the, the first response, but underneath that is that, and, and I don't, therefore I don't feel loved. Or appreciated. I don't feel appreciated. That's, That's right, a big one as right. well. That's another, or heard. Or heard. Right? When I say something, she tunes out. But you've got to love them and like them enough to make that important to you. Yes, because if that you know if it's not important to you, or just to stay married, or in just many cases. that's true. But in order just to stay married, it has to be important enough. Because at this phase in our lives, staying married—I mean, nobody, you know, nobody's why? holding a gun. To exactly. Your head. <laughs> why at this point? Right. So you at this point in our lives, if we stay married, it's because of several reasons. You love them, and you don't want to shatter the relationship. You want to repair it. 
Or you don't or, want to shatter the life that's associated with the relationship. Exactly. The memories, right? Not yeah. just the memories, but the life itself. Like, this is what we do. This is where we go. These are who our friends are. This is what the community has come to know us for. Mm-hmm. I don't want to shatter that. That the, takes some courage. The interior design, to sort of speak, of your life, of your marriage, yes, right? Yes, it you don't want fall to let go apart of in that. us. And that's what scares so many people, especially in the initial stages of deciding to come undone. Facing the unknown, it's frightening. Welcome back to the podcast, and we're talking about staying within a relationship and ending it, or creating a new relationship that works with the elements of the old relationship that we want to keep. And also about how many different variations there are on the relationships that people have and the fear that comes up when people are beginning to think of ending or modifying the relationship that they're in. I think what we're talking about here is the option of how do you retain relationship and then define it differently and then actually live it in ways that are more satisfying to each partner. And isn't it interesting that there is no single answer for one person or one couple, or there are there appears to be as many answers as there are couples. So, what would an open marriage look like? I, I did have a um, a uh, an ongoing uh, romance with someone for a while, and that didn't affect us. But I didn't bring that other person into the family, so I don't know what would happen if I, you know, how all this would play out if I was in a, uh, you know a relationship that would that would make me want to go more to that relationship than yeah your question is an excellent one what does an open marriage look like you know in the 60s when we talked about open marriage it meant that i could do whatever it is i wanted to with someone and so could you so that gave us the permission to to um explore, have, explore with other people now the permission part is the key part because where does cheating come in um, cheating comes in when we don't agree to agree. Is that correct, Doctor? Well, yeah, I think that basically we're talking about um, a model of marriage that is adaptive to the individuals who are in the marriage. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, between two consenting adults, we can decide what kind of marriage we want. We can decide we want to be married to somebody of the same sex. We can decide we want to be married to somebody of the opposite sex. And then within that, um, what is the role of each of our individual exploration? Does that involve having relations with another person? Or does that mean we're monogamous? I think that's, again, something that gets decided between... Well, open doesn't mean monogamous, though, does it? Open, um, Open marriage is not a monogamous marriage. 
No, from, what, from my from, point from from the nineteen sixties definition, but an adaptive marriage can range from being monogamous to being, you know, all the way open. I don't know why people would choose to be married if they wanted to be continually free. I mean, there's a whole movement of people who consider themselves polyamorous and believe in having many simultaneous relationships. I don't think we use the word open marriage as much anymore as we do polyamorous marriage or polyamorous relationships. I'm not meaning many lovers. I personally could not or would not deal with an open a marriage. I just have I don't know if it's just what is it old school that I just can't wrap my arms around him wrapping his arms around someone else so um that wouldn't that wouldn't be something that i could uh sign on for what about you bb well it sounds to me like uh, it all depends on the agreement on the discussion on the conversation that the two partners have and if they're open to discussing it to begin with if their emotional level and maturity level allow them to bring that topic up and then how do they work it out what works best for both of them would they want to decide to stay put for the sake of grandchildren or financial issues? And then if they choose to stay with each other, then they're giving permission. I think that word permission, right? It's not uh, allowing someone. It's not giving them the, the okay to go ahead and do what they want to, but it's permitting each other to have the space that they need. I think that the critical piece is is space. It's how much space does each partner need and what kind of space and how much privacy and um, and how much respect is there for the other and at what stage in their relationship. Because certainly, you know, in the, you know, you look at teenagers and their relationship, and if one starts looking at another person, then that person is now a cheater, and the whole relationship is violated. And certainly during the time when the sex hormones are high, and jealousy, and jealousy runs high, during the time when hormones are high and jealousy simultaneously runs high then that's that's at a particular stage of the relationship that's generally new or in many ways relationships stay at that level even if there is no sexual juice left but is does that mean when you when you start having a conversation about it's okay for you to have a sexual relationship with another person does that mean that you're no longer in love and that that seems like that seems to be a bigger question even a bigger topic um and what is love right you can love a person um as a friend as a brother but that um luminescence or what was the word that limerence 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 is gone and you're still loving the person as a human being but you're just not in love in love but if a if you find out that your husband is having an affair and he's cheating because we haven't agreed to this and you're still loving him you're immensely hurt by that act undoubtedly why are we so hurt by that act 
um, when, when he's cheating or when she's cheating and not hurt by the act when we've agreed that it's okay for us to explore. It's, it's got to be the love factor. I don't know that it is. I mean, love is too large a word to say that, in my opinion, that it's the love factor. It feels more to me like a point in one's life when one is ready for different experiences or doesn't have the same need to have that monogamous insurance and that really just is very different among people as sky goddess was talking about her husband was okay with the fact that she was having sexual relationships with other people she just didn't discuss it and he didn't want to discuss it and that is a very common state of affairs it's like i understand that you have your separate life i don't want the details and that's because he's at a place with himself that it's not about the sexuality, it's not about the jealousy, it's about wanting to retain the relationship and accepting the fact that he can't be the provider of what she's needing. So part of the contract, if you will, means that I can date, you can date, but we can't double date. Is that right? Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because in my tenure as psychologist, there have been many couples with whom I've worked who have divorced and who then um, had different relationships and who've now built an extended family around the grandchildren with various grandmothers, two or more grandmothers, and those families are very inclusive. And I think that's like a culture or an ethic that some families have, whereas other families are like warring tribes. But are these divorced people? Are these divorced couples? Yes. Or are the okay, these are, so th- that, but that defines that, though. Well, what defines it, I think, is each person's personality to be willing to be inclusive, more so than even divorce, is the willingness to acknowledge that this person has moved on to have other relationships. But, but we can't, <laughs> I just need to be clear on this, we can't have a, an open marriage all right. We're we, living, be, we, we being who? We being the couple that has decided that we're going to have an open marriage and we're still sharing a home. All right. And then you go out and, I, and come back. I go out and come back. And there's no discussion about where we've been. That's one kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. So you cannot. My question is, can that couple double date if they want to okay this is this is something that I I couldn't wrap my arms around at all I don't know why but I'm not there yet but you're making things up and then you're putting them right out outside of your reach to (laughs) tolerate (laughs) or understand why do that why not just deal with the relationship you have and you being able to deal with the relationship you have, and I'll have mine. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we have to set up any um, 
you know, general rules, um, other than we've just gone through a period in history where now men can marry men and women can marry women. What more are you asking for? Uh, I, I just need to get clear in case I come into that, in, in case I come to that intersection, I just want to know what the, rule, what the rules are. But I guess there are no rules. The rules are whatever it is the two of you decide to do. Just make sure you come to a full, <laughs> just make sure you come to a full stop first. So this really doesn't define an open marriage, right? Is he seeing anyone? No, no, he does not. He does not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He prefers um, much more solitude and uh, yeah. cerebral activities. And in fact, I think one of the funniest comments you said to me was recently was, I said, do you think we'll ever live together again? And he looked at me very stoically and said, you're very good in small doses. I like this way. I don't see myself being with, you know, a full-time man again. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just, I just appreciate my freedom and the ability to, like, the first time I was on my own on one of those trips, and I came, I was went to London, and I got to the street, and I looked to the left, and I looked to the right, and I, it was up to me which way to go, and it was like the most exhilarating. I'd have to check. Well, should we go left? It was right. All right. All right. <laughs> Right, and I don't right. want to give that up. I don't really want to give that up. I get enough. I get enough for myself. I don't feel that I'm lacking. Is what I'm. I'm I feel content in who I am in this place right now in my life. So isn't it fantastic that Sky Goddess is content and happy in the place where she's at? What does it take to get to that place? Sounds like what it took was a fair amount of space and for she and her partner to be comfortable with taking that space. Well, does that mean that they're, well, no, cut that, Chris. We're yeah. going to have to delete that. We want to go, into, okay. separate, go into separate bedroom. bedroom. Yeah, the space. So yeah, then you so can go, where's hmm, space? Space. space. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm, now separate space. That's that's good thing. What about separate bedrooms? Let's can we talk about is it healthy? We've talked about these wonderful relationships and what we decide to do with our relationships that make us happy. But separate bedrooms, doctor, is that healthy to not sleep together? You know, years ago that's what we were trained to do. When you got married, you slept in the same bed for ever and ever. So many couples are now saying that they have separate bedrooms, not that they don't love each other, not that they don't have wonderful sex in both rooms, going from one room to the other. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Yeah, sex that, from does one sound, room yeah to that does sound exciting, doesn't it? And um, is that healthy? It sounds it's interesting. like it might be. It's interesting because in the literature uh, about sexual desire, uh, separation uh, is something that actually feeds the fire of desire and that just doesn't always mean geographical separation but just to be able to live separate lives and if that means because we don't have the same rhythms as another person we may choose different sleep schedules you know it used to be that sleeping meant sex it doesn't 
Sleeping is its own hygiene. Sex is its own instinct and need and desire. So I think the two can be quite separate and be very healthy if we want to use the word healthy. Well, you know, we're individuals. We're, we're different. Um, the, your husband is very different from you, perhaps. And sleeping patterns are the same way. Uh, some people might want to go to bed early, turn it lights out, and then the other person might not want to go to bed that early and don't want lights out. And perhaps they need a TV to put them to sleep. Exactly. Or another person may need four pillows, whereas another may only need one. Or the number of sheets and blankets, all those things, right? And it feels like the older that we get, the more comfortable that we are in sort of identifying and preserving the identity of who we are and not catering to the other person so much. That's why they've got these these commercials for sleep mattresses. Select your number. Right. Your number can be three. His number can be five. So uh, even uh, uh, commerce is now recognizing that people just sleep differently. Individual differences. And, and also, you know, with sleep science advancing as it has, we really recognize that probably one of the m most uh, difficult symptoms of um, depression, anxiety, uh, eating disorders, um, other addictions comes from not being able to really get restorative sleep. So I think the whole idea of restorative sleep is far more in our faces than it ever was before. And people are really recognizing that. But also the respect for different habits. Being a night owl, being an early bird, needing the window open and the wind blowing um, versus needing it cozy and warm. We no, we no longer really need to lie next to each other for simple warmth back in the 1700s, 1600s, the, from the beginning of time. We didn't have central heating. We needed to generate heat with one another. I sometimes t uh, wonder if it starts with menopause because, you know, during those times, you, you know, I was kicking sheets off and wanting a fan on and he's looking at me like I was out of my mind. Right, the origin of yeah, separate he, bedrooms he, being so, menopause, it, definitely. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. So, so that yeah. works out very well. Yeah. And didn't Arianna Huffington just write a book on how important it is to get like 12 hours of sleep eight. a day yes oh, oh she's talking about eight okay yes so where's the number 12 she's come? saying about eight but she was also <clears throat> setting the parameters she was saying that the room needs to be at 67 degrees and that an hour before there should be no screens and no tv light and no devices a recent issue of psychology today had a couple in bed with each their own laptops and I think the name of the article was Menage a Trois. <laughs> Are our devices, um, you know, creating havoc with our marriages? So I think that sleep science would definitely say that you want to ease into sleep. But again, not everybody wants to go along with that. Some people want to stay up and watch late night TV. And then there's also just the ability to be alone and to generate your own thoughts and your own feelings and not necessarily have to respond to somebody else. So it's about that space in our life, isn't it? And how we create that space, how we share that space. Can you share a little poem that we've been talking about, about that You know, it was topic? funny the way the, the, um, the statement came to me was just the phrase I remembered, let the winds of the heavens 
dance between you. And that really came from uh, that little book that we all had in the 1960s and 70s called The Prophet by Cahill Gibran. And he said, let there be spaces in your togetherness and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. A moving sea between the shores of your souls. How beautiful is that? I'd like us to put the rest of that beautiful poem on our blog so our listeners can go and read it at their leisure and really just take it in because you've read it beautifully but I'd like them to read the entire poem and take it in and and internalize it. Love that idea. Love that moving sea between the shores of our souls. That really leaves a lot of room for the relationship to be an outgrowth of our individuality. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Dr. Andrea, Jennifer, and Bibi, your Boom Goddesses, signing off. Each voice of wisdom shares ripples out into our universe and inspires so many others. Namaste. For technical reasons, portions of this program have been pre-recorded. For all the things that make a supermarket just better, look no further than your neighborhood Albertsons. You'll find fresher meats, fresher produce, and lower everyday prices on family favorites. Stop by the meat department and pick up a family pack of bone-in pork loin chops or boneless, skinless chicken breasts from the butcher block. Your choice, just $1.77 a pound. And get new crop Arizona-grown jumbo cantaloupe, only 87 cents each. Fresher meats, sweeter produce, lower prices. Albertsons, it's just better. For all the things that make a supermarket just better, look no further than your neighborhood Albertsons. You'll find fresher meats, fresher produce, and lower everyday prices on family favorites. Stop by the meat department and pick up a family pack of bone-in pork loin chops or boneless, skinless chicken breasts from the butcher block. Your choice, just $1.77 a pound. And get new crop Arizona-grown jumbo cantaloupe, only 87 cents each. Fresher meats, sweeter produce, lower prices. Albertsons, it's just better.